Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, securing the remote worker through mobile virtualization with special guest Jared Shepard, CEO of Hypori. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Jared, tell my, my audience always likes to know a little bit about who I'm interviewing and, and their background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are today. Sure. I mean, uh, it's an entertaining journey, I guess, because I'm kind of the anti-CEO in a lot of ways, uh, even though I've been doing it for almost <laughs> 17 years. Uh, I was I was a high school dropout knucklehead kid that was, that was in trouble when I was young. I ended up joining the Army. Uh, it served in the infantry. Uh, I got to do some cool stuff in the infantry. I was a sniper for a while. I got to do some other, you know, you know, fun stuff and uh, hit a, a turning point in my life where, you know, ultimately it was, you know, do I want to continue to go down that road and maybe go into, you know, special forces or something similar? Or a buddy of mine said, man, you should really get into IT. And I was like, well, IT, why? And he said, well, you can make like $70,000 a year. And I'm like, $70,000 a year, that's a lot of money. And so nonetheless, I ended up re-enlisting re and becoming an IT guy. And, and you know, again, being a high school dropout, didn't have the formal education. So I'd learned it the informal way. Uh, and, and IT is one of those places where you can get away with that, right? You know, where you can. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I, I learned IT in the Army and then I got out and, and got brought right back because sure enough, you know, I had gotten some of those really good certifications, you know, that informal education uh, got brought right back as a active directory consultant to their third armored corps at Fort Hood, Texas. And uh, then just by luck, we got tapped to go to war. And I ended up having to help the Corps plan with the invasion plans. And then ultimately I went to the Corps in, in Iraq and I got to build Iraq from scratch as a technical consultant um, in a team of about five of us, which of which three now work with me. Um, that built oh, wow. Iraq from scratch. And so, you know, just, my life is a long list of once in a lifetime opportunities. Um, and so got that opportunity. And then fast forward, my new boss was a guy named General uh, Ray Odierno, who, who asked me to go find a predictive mining and modeling capability for Prometheus based modeling. And I kind of said, huh? And, you know, he said, yeah, no, you're a smart guy. You, you'll, you know, you'll be able to figure it out. And, you figure and it out, right? Back, back, back then, you know, predictive mining and modeling today, we call it AIML. Um, you know, I ended up being introduced to an organization that was standing up in the Department of Defense called JIDO. Um, I, I, I ended up being asked to come in as a consultant for them. I became the first acting J6 for JIDO, JIDO COIC, deployed again to Iraq, uh, built the first COIC downrange, and did so this time wearing my own shirt. So I started my first company called Intelligent Waves. And that was almost 17 years ago. Uh, we built the first COIC, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, designed to go after operational IED networks. Um, you know, using IT and advanced technologies. And then they kind of said, hey, could you do more of that? And so my company grew rapidly and we built uh, lots of COEX and, and other, you know, unique, you know, FPED capabilities for the Air Force, et cetera, all in deployed areas, Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Qatar, Yemen, Syria, you name it. And and company grew. And uh, along the way, I, I, I found a great technology called Hypori that was was in a a, a uh, failing startup that I stepped in and bought out, uh, bought the IP, created as a built it in as a product inside of Intelligent Waves. But then, as I started to peel the onion on the potential of it, I realized, holy moly, this is going to be bigger than anything I've ever done before. 
So I spun it out as its own company and now I'm running that. Oh, wow. You know, that what you first off, I have to say thank you for your service. I, I really it was, appreciate it. You know, and, and I, I think a lot of veterans feel this way. Uh, and obviously it means a lot to me. I also run a nonprofit called Warriors Ethos that helps veterans in transition out of the military that I started because I saw the need to help veterans in transition. But I would tell you that I think I feel this way. I think a lot of other veterans feel this way. It was my privilege because I got way more out of my service in the military than I'm sure the military got out of me. <laughs> no, I, I doubt that very much. But again, thank you, though, for protecting uh, you know, our liberties here in, in the United States. I really appreciate that. Um, also, what an American story. High school dropout, CEO of two successful companies. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was funny you said this. Wonderful. My last boss, <clears throat> when I started my company, was a guy named General Ray Odierno. And, and Odierno is, is a legend in the Army leadership community. He, he replaced General Petraeus as the four-star commander downrange in Iraq. He was the guy that put me on that task to find a predictive mining and modeling capability. And when I had come and I said, hey, I think I want to start my own company to help this, this thing happen. You know, he came and he put this, this mauve hand on my shoulder because he's this, this giant gentleman. We, we lost him to cancer last year, unfortunately. But uh, oh, the, the, just this giant you know, West Point lineman, right? And he puts this mob hand on my shoulder. He's a three-star general, just a great individual. And he says, Jared, this is the American dream. He's like, to have come where you've came from because he knew my background, right? And, and to have served your country and now have the opportunity to, to start your own company. He's like, I support it. He's like, in fact, I'll, I'll call Jido and tell him I support it. And that's kind of what greased the, slids, the skids for me to, to actually start my company. Oh, what, what an awesome story. So, hey, let, all right, let's dive into the into the subject today. Um, and let's go back to, let's see if I can remember the day, March 13th, 2020. Okay. Right? It's when the world came crashing down. Yep. Right? Um, I remember the day because it was Friday the 13th, and we got a call from the, the kids' school. There's no school today. We're going to shut down. Because of this COVID, this little COVID thing, we'll be down for about two weeks. That's what everyone said. Um, what a black swan moment that completely changed the world. I, I mean, and, well, and I told you, I said, like, you know, my life has been a lifetime of once in a lifetime opportunities. Like, I mean, I've just been purely lucky. So we had already committed. I had already committed to the idea of what Hypori could be. And then it's almost like a, a, a perfect summation of events the fact that COVID hit, nobody, of course, I didn't want COVID to hit and nobody wants no, that no to one happen. Wanted it. But the fact that it happened, it created a, a potential understanding and an opportunity for our technology to blossom and grow. Right. So before we get to your technology, let's talk about it. What it did was it forced people to start looking at remote work. And, and I remember I got calls from several different agencies in the federal government and in the state government. What do we do? How, yeah. how, do, how do we keep VPN up and running? That was the big thing, right? How do, how, how do we keep VPN up and running for 800,000 people? What? I mean, I mean before COVID, if I had gone into a senior leadership meeting and tried to say, hey, how are you going to allow your remote your, your your workforce to work remotely? Like, how are you going to allow you know service members? I've been laughed out of the room, right? I've been laughed yeah. out of the room. 
Now, all of a sudden, it's like everybody's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. And it's still a problem, right? It's still how do I manage these remote workers? And one of the key aspects of managing them is securely managing them, right? How do I secure the remote edge? Um, and it's it's my laptop. It's my phone. It's my tablet. It's whatever whatever I have. And a lot of people move directly to like VDI. That was one of the things that they moved to. Other people went to uh, the cloud um, and kind of a hybrid cloud like Office 365, where some of the data is on my laptop, um, but it synced up into the cloud and, and things like that. But there's a, a whole bunch of security aspects around this. Um, and then multi-factor authentication became important. All, all these crazy things, but no one really tackled the problem that Hypori was really targeting. Sure. Which I thought was, when I saw your guys' product, I went, that's ah, pretty slick. Pretty and that cool. is, how do you secure uh, phones? Right? So it's, it's actually, ironically, it's kind of more than that. So okay, uh, I, all, everything you said is, is correct. But, you know, when I had my epiphany, because I originally, we originally built Hypori as a product, but the idea was, how can I get really, really, really secure communications in really, really difficult places? Right. So the original idea of this was advanced military scenarios or intelligence community scenarios and difficult to be places. And, and, and this technology could help them accomplish their job. And and once we did that, we we're like, wait a second, this is this is way bigger. Right. And this is right before this is before COVID hit or COVID hit. Uh, you know, we were like, man, this could be way bigger. And, and it's bigger, not just in, in the concept of, well, it's a it's VDI for mobile, which is what some people who they, they try to kind of dumb it down and say that. And I said, no, it's it's bigger than that from like now we use the words like zero trust. And we joke we were zero trust before zero trust was a thing because our platform assumes the edge device is compromised. Right. So rather than I like uh, that, rather than others, zero trust approach, you know, other you know large companies, zero, zero trust approach, which is control everything. Control everything, verify everything. We took the opposite approach. Assume it's compromised. We assume the edge device is compromised. Thus, I want to collapse the attack surface so that you don't have to manage the edge anymore. You can manage your points of ingress and egress and defend those rather than defending all the edge devices that are out there. And then when you think about the, the virtual platform like VDI versus us, which some would say we're virtual mobile infrastructure, which those of you who are watching who still don't know what we're talking about yet, so Hypori is essentially a virtual mobile operating system. It's written around the Android open, open source protocol with a whole bunch of NSA security protocols around it. What it provides you is the ability to get to a dedicated operating system from any edge device. But the beauty of it is there's no data in transit and there's no data at rest. So that means the edge device does not present a threat. We assume the edge device is compromised and we never allow the software or middleware layers of the edge device to directly interact with the data that you're protecting. So by doing so, you're essentially making this or your tablet or your PC a dumb terminal that's accessing an information set inside of a secure environment. And, and the implications of that are massive. Besides not having to defend the edge anymore, you also imagine like what kind of compute can you put into this form factor? Well, my you're limited by space and time. Yeah, you're limited by space and power. My operating system is running in a data center on a rack. So that means that yeah. my, my mobile device is running on Xeon based 
Intel x86 processors that are going to outperform this little thing every day. And, yeah. and so yeah. no, that's... compute, bandwidth, all those things just smoke what this form factor has the ability to support. Now that's that that's that's pretty slick. So the so you, you let the genie out of the bottle already. Yeah, sorry. Well, I, I just figured we were going to be talking about stuff, and, and people. Were no, no, no. Go, I, I, what in the heck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's actually pretty slick. The the perception, and I I like your approach, which was the edge is compromised because phones are out in the wild, right? Um, we we know that already. So what's going to prevent? Um, my phone, let's say someone takes my phone, mm -hmm. right? What's going to prevent them from just logging in? I, I mean, and, and getting access to my virtual device out, out there in the cloud or in my data center or whatever the case may be, what's preventing them from doing that? I guess you use the, the multi-factor authentication on the devices themselves to yeah. help them. Depending on what you're doing. I mean, I mean, of course, there's always a hygiene responsible for the user. Um, and, and that user hygiene, that cyber hygiene, uh, is, is generally manifested in a way of you're going to deploy MFA, you're going to deploy, you know, I mean, like certain things like, okay, look, for one, I want you to always have a pin or use biometrics on your edge device. Okay. Two is you then have to also authenticate against MFA to get into my, my virtual operating system. So when you start thinking about like multi-factor first, you have to have the phone, you have to be able to get into the phone. The phone has to actually have the correct external certificate to have access to my gateway. Then you have to authenticate against an MFA to get through my gateway to your virtual device. Okay. So if, if someone's even just cloned my phone, so they're still not going to be able to they're get They're not going to be able to do it. it. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and all these um, keys reside in different tiers of secure key stores. So there isn't a single, you know, uh, uh, place that you could attack that you could exploit our platform. And, you know, we really believe this was there. Everybody says they're secure, right? And one of the most important things that we did was in the Department of Defense, we invited them to prove whether we were right or not. And so you gave it, uh, you gave it to a red team? We've been through seven different Department of Defense red teams. Um, wow. And the most, most recent couple were the Threat Systems Management Office and the Director of Test and Evaluation, into which they briefed the DOD CIO and said, hey, this is the most secure mobile platform we've ever tested to date. And, and they actually came out of it with zero significant security findings in any way, shape, or form. Oh, that, that's pretty cool. Now, the, the, the next thing that popped into my head around security, right, is if you're, you're sending just bits, uh, screen, you're sending screen back to... In fact, to in fact not even a screen, yeah. delta pixels. So just change pixels. Oh, just change pixels. So the beauty of change pixels rather than a screen scrape, like a rolling screen scrape, if I could decrypt that, I can see what you're looking at. Yeah, I... Yeah, I can see what you're looking at, but you're only sending deltas much harder. Um, are you encrypting that yes, as well? Absolutely. Or, okay. Yep. So over the air, who knows what it is? It's it's encrypted garbage. Yep. And if you were if even if you could real time decrypt AES two fifty six pixel stream. By the way, if you can do that, the NSA would like to meet you. Um, you can send me a note. I'll introduce yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quantum computer I have running in my yeah, garage. You and me both. But the the if you could do that, because it's delta pixels and not screen scrapes, all you get is moving blobs. So it wouldn't even have any value to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would only have where I put my mouse, my finger yep, yep. on the screen. Right. No, no, that's that's pretty that's pretty slick.
as far as onboarding and how how do how do I take a, a large organization, hundred thousand employees like Intel, and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna move your phone instance onto um, in, into this new new platform. Sure, right. So, because um, right right now, and, and let's talk about phone security right now. Right now, I have something. I think it's Knox on here. Yeah, yeah, uh, Samsung, Samsung Knox. Yeah, yeah, Samsung Knox. And my work stuff is in a secure area, and my my personal stuff is in another. So I'm not carrying around multiple phones. I see people all the time carry on multiple phones. I hate it. So, so, so that's just say, that's I'll container that's containerization. And, and there's some challenges right. with containerization. So when you look at like MDM, which by the way, I, I, we could always go back to the COVID conversation too, because that became to your earlier point, that became pivotal for us to be an actual industry-wide viable platform because it required people had to change the way they thought about the problem, right? And, and COVID forced that, yes. forced that change. Um, to, to your question about like either containerization or really MDM, right? Because a lot, number one people, they say, well, look, you compete with MDM. No, I don't, because I'm not MDM. In fact, I, I, I'm. You could use MDM to manage my platform if you wanted to, but I make it so that largely MDM is not necessary. Yeah, yeah that, that's really fascinating. Because what, what what do you do when a phone gets stolen? Oh, I've got to do MDM, right? Because I got to brick the phone. So what we With found this, actually, so there are bad actors out there now that are that they originated as military bad actors, but now have gone into criminal organizations because. That's what a lot of them do. The Russians, oh, that's where the the Russians especially, right. et cetera. What we found yeah. is, is that and there was a couple of cases in New York and there was one out in California where bad actors will target you. They'll distract you, take your cell phone. They'll clone your cell phone. And then, you know, it, they'll drop your cell phone into a Faraday bag. Take it over, clone it, take it, and then, then, then drop it back out of the Faraday bag and dump it in a trash can somewhere. The reason why is because you as the user, you're going to call the boss and go, hey, I lost my phone. And they're going to go great. And they're going to go on the MDM and they're going to go brick. And the MDM and is going, the going to sit there and go waiting to connect, waiting to connect, waiting to connect, waiting to connect. And of course, the device has been now replicated. And when they reintroduce the, the device on the network, they dump it out of the Faraday bag. MDM connects and then reports back to you, all is secure. We've bricked the yeah. phone. But yet now they have a full replication of your device and all your data. We prevent that because... The data never existed on the edge device. It never existed on the edge device. Pretty clever. Pretty clever. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the downsides. Sure. Right? Because there are some downsides. 100%. Right? I, I always joke. I say Achilles had two heels. So do we. Um, yeah. You know, you know, even though he was he was famous for one, but really he had two, right? And so do we. Yeah. Uh, you know, with any virtual platform, connectivity, right? So. I, yeah. I was going to say connectivity. So let's talk about the field of battle. Right, DDL environments, right? Disruptive, intermittent, low bandwidth. Yep. Low late, low bandwidth. This is a problem, right? Because I can't get access to my data, right? Because it's not on the device. Sure. It's so for for a DoD like a tactical environment, um, the DoD's gotten better and better, and we've worked with them, and my other company does this as well. And and but there's there's forward deployed communications capabilities where you can deploy a node forward that doesn't need long haul reach back capability. You can deploy a Hypori node in that forward node. And then in like a DDL environment, uh, we just did an exercise with a, with a, a, a unique organization in the military where we were using Li-Fi um, to actually transmit networks via light. So using, you know, uh, a Li-Fi wireless right. rather than radio, because it was the, the, the scenario was 
what happens when you're in a spectrum denied environment. Right, you can't radiate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can't radiate in your spectrum denied environment or spectrum targeted potentially, right? So um, this, you know, Hypori can work ironically on very low bandwidth, but it does, one of our heels, it does require connectivity. Um, two is the type of connectivity. I, it's not as sensitive to bandwidth. Like this was originally designed to run on a couple bars of 3G. So it, it, it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth because it's only streaming Delta pixels. So if you think about that. Yeah, see, that's that's pretty clever. I'm not sending a bunch of data. Right. It's more, it's more bandwidth efficient than a regular phone user is. And battery yeah, efficient. We, yeah, because most 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 of the time when you think VDI, I'm so, oh, I'm saying, how often am I refreshing the screen? Yeah. Because that's what people are thinking. So you guys are only sending deltas. How often do things actually change? Yep. So, so, very, so very low bandwidth utilization. But in a network environment that introduces a lot of uh, packet drop, so a dirty network, that's, yeah. that's horrible for virtualization, right? It's really hard for a virtual yeah, yeah, platform yeah, yeah. To, to be able to rectify when it's losing large packet, you know, large sets of packet data. Um, so, so those are our two really kind of weakness places. Okay. Ban bandwidth and latency, ironically, bandwidth uh, uh, it works for the really relatively low bandwidth. There's a side effect of using only delta pixels, um, and and latency that has to do with what your expectations are. So you got to set some user expectations. And one of the ways I like to, to demonstrate that is I take Teams calls and Zoom calls on an airplane using Hypori, and it works great. And by everybody, everybody in a plane freaks out about it because I'm actually on a live call, but I don't use voice because of the latency delay. So what I do is I listen to what they're briefing and I type my responses. And in that way, it, it breaks up that that duplex of, of latency. OK, so so all right, that, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Right. Understanding the limitations and of of the technology which is uh, the Wi-Fi uh, sure. technology. Um, that's, that's pretty clever. Um, and, and, and I get it. So uh, you brought out the Achilles, Achilles heel. Let's talk about onboarding people yeah. now. Um, and because this one's interesting uh, to me, if I have uh, like a work phone number, mm -hmm. which I do, yep. and I have automatically forward to my cell phone. Um, but, could I set this up so I have a work phone number that calls my my virtual phone and it ring on this phone? So so interesting that so we are not only uh, have we been through all these DOD red teams, we received our IL-5 certification. So we're an IL-5 certified cloud SaaS. We've gotten the DOD CIO memorandum saying that we're now the, the, an enterprise DOD capable BYOD platform. We're the only one out there. Um, oh, cool. ironically, the NSA has a program called commercial solutions for classified. So CSFC, and it's a series of standards in which you can use commercial technology to get access to classified network. We are the largest deployed mobile platform in that environment as well. And so because everything's encrypted in transit and on, on receipt, and it's very lightweight, you could technically do, as long as you're in the appropriate environment, even classified voice across our platform. But so, so, so in a way that you accomplish that is the same way you would accomplish exactly the scenario you just laid out, which is I would take a my desk phone number through an IP SIP, you know, so like a, a, a call manager of some kind and route right. that to a soft phone that exists in the virtual phone. And then that way I can literally make phone calls from my office desk from my virtual device anywhere.
can I take my environment I have already on Cure and move it into your virtualized environment? Or is it like starting from scratch, right? I'm like, well, I have which version of Android do I have? And I have to download all of my apps that I normally have. How, how can I take what I have and move it over? Or do I, or do I do it like I have a brand new phone? It'd be a brand, it'd be a brand new phone to some extent. So remember, most okay. of the services you use on your phone are CSB, cloud service providers of some kind, right? Like if well, you're, of course. you're yeah, using yeah, Office of 365, course. regardless of which device you log into Office 365, you get your Office 365. You get all your data. Right, yeah. yeah. So uh, from that standpoint, you would still have all the same data available to you through your CSPs, et cetera. The, uh, but the way the device, the phone itself is managed. Like, so there is, we don't have a Play Store in our device by design because Play Store bleeds off data. Right. We don't use that. We have our own app store and mechanism in which we sideload applications and manage those applications specifically to prevent data bleed out of our environment. Because, you know, when we kind of talked about this, we talked about the advantages of security and how great security is a side effect of us not being an MDM um, and, and not not even, you know, we're our own product category, which, by the way, that, that's kind of a double folded sword, too. That has two. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You're in your own product category. You're the leader of of one. What? Yeah, I mean, or, or yeah. Of a very, very small number. Right. But the 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 advantage of that, though, is not just security, but it's also privacy. So that means I don't need or want ability to see into your personal device. Right. So my platform, because it doesn't trust your device, it means it wants no permissions. So it doesn't want to know what you're doing on your personal time, on your personal device. Uh, you know, and if it has malware on it because you went to a bad website or your oh, teen yeah. or your teenage not kid you at all. Yeah, or your teenage kid went to a to a bad website and it got malware and that malware probes the security containers on your device because it's looking for data. If you have an MDM, your MDM is going to alert, hey, malware associated with X bad website right. just probed the security container. And in some places, like the government, that could lead to an investigation that really shouldn't have happened in the first place. Right. So right. we protect the user's privacy because we don't we don't want to know what's on the edge device. That's your that's your that's your challenge. That's your environment. What we enable the enterprise to do is very granularly manage what applications you have access to and what data actually flows in and out of that operating system environment. So the the side effect of that privacy piece is that here in the U.S., it's amazing that that, you know, MDM has struggled with adoption at large scale simply because of the privacy issue, right? Go to go to Europe and they have what's called GDPR. GD, yeah. GDPR essentially prevents it. GDPR says you're not allowed to move a personal's a person's personal information across a country's border without their explicit permission. Right. Well, the beauty is we don't move data anywhere. We just allow it to view. So that means I don't have the, the GDPR restrictions of enabling you to move across Europe across, and, yeah, access, yeah, yeah, yeah. and access data because I'm not moving the data. No, that, that, yeah, this is this is really fascinating. Um, so the next question I, that comes to mind is if I want to deploy this in my, um, let's say my home, mm -hmm. I would never do that, but I might because I have teenage kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I I could create my own Play Store. 
my own app store, right? You you would select through the management console. Now, of course, we're not B2C yet. Uh, uh, we hope to get no, there. No, someday, no, but, but let's talk B2B. Let, let's say I'm going to deploy this at Intel. If you're the administrator, you're going to go through a, a, an approved app template and you're going to select which apps your users get. Which apps are approved. Yep. Which apps your so, users get. You would, you would through either we get them pro, you know, from open source libraries, we get them directly from the app vendors, we sideload them. You create an app template and you deploy that app template. And you say, hey, look, I'm going to have power users get this. Mobile users get this. Uh, you know, executives get this. And these are the apps that they get in the, in the associated data. Right, right, you're right. Okay, now let's go to the back end of, of this thing. I think we got the, the front end. On the back end, you, are you guys running this in a, is it a service you're offering? Is it, can I run it on-prem? Can I run it in the cloud? Uh, what what are the re restrictions around that? And I'm guessing since you're doing military, it's going to be running on-prem for for some of it. Some. Yeah. And some of it in the cloud yeah. because it depends on which department yep. you're talking to. Yep. So so interesting, you know, we, we talked about the COVID being one of the evolutionary things that happened to us, right, that helped us evolve. It, it, the context of that was also in the evolution of the technology. So we started out purely as an on-prem technology, right? And and it, the idea was you deploy server racks worth of stuff and you get mobile access, right? And, and that was what we everybody was comfortable with three, four, five years ago. And when you look at the idea of people that were going to cloud, you know, a lot of people weren't comfortable with cloud or, you know, is cloud really efficient? Is it really cost effective, et cetera? We, we went through a pilot with the Department of Defense where we realized, the cost to run a mobile device on a data center, on a server rack, just wasn't cost efficient um, compared to cloud. Because like, look at, like, when I talk about a couple of things that really had to happen to make Hypori successful, like I bought it out as, and it didn't succeed when I bought the technology. So why is it succeeding now? What changed? Well, a couple of things. One, the network has massively changed. We now have 5G. We have high-speed 4G, yeah, yeah. 5G networks, low latency, high bandwidth environments, accessible everywhere. Two, cloud. So if you look at the, the place in which cloud is really valuable, cloud is valuable on incremental compute. When I need to compute a little bit and then not anymore, and then again, and then not anymore. That's where cloud really makes its money from an efficiency standpoint. Well, well yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 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 so mobile devices. Are what, are, what you, are what you're saying, I think I hear what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. When I'm not on my mobile, my virtual mobile device, that instance is shut down. So what, what happens is, is the, the data set re resides, it remains, you know, it's yeah. like the data that you have that's associated to you, but we decommission the compute and the RAM. And then when you come to log back in again, we fire it back up again. So then that way you're not paying for a 24 hour, seven day a week phone. You're paying for, you're an incremental for a, phone. the little sips that you're taking. Yeah. Oh. And, and I mean, yeah, our, 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 our right. long-term goal is we want to make this consumable as a, you know, like B2C level, and you know my objective in the business is to get this cost down to the point where it's nine ninety nine a month, and you can have a, a a completely secure second cell phone, or a third cell phone, or a fourth cell phone, all from your yeah. one device. No, no, that this is very very cool, um, Jared. I'm I'm we could talk for hours. I can <laughs> see it already. Um, but um, if people want to find out more, where where do they go? Uh, well, I mean, our website is a great uh, uh, location, so you can go to www.hypori, H-Y-P-O-R-I, hypori.com, um, and take a look there. You can you can you know, contact us. You can uh, request a demo. 
and and you can even uh, if you're you know a, an organizational consumer and you're looking at trying to deploy this into your organization, uh, we'll, we'll set up something for you and even let you play with it. Sounds great. Um, also, I'll have these links on our on our podcast site, um, embracingdigital.org. Uh, Jared, well, uh, thank you. That this has been this has been great. Um, and like I said, we're going to have to have you come back on. I mean, so you now I do want to say, you know, parting shot is while we're doing all this great stuff in the government, like the Army's gotten to 50,000 licenses, the Air Force is talking to us, the you know, DHA is talking to us, the government is amazing. Where this is really going to change is outside the government. Think, oh, absolutely. Think HIPAA protections. Think SEC you know, trade control protections. Think banking, healthcare, uh, defense industrial base that has to be CMMC compliant. Rather than you having to deploy infrastructure and second cell phones to be CMMC compliant, you just buy from a SaaS from us and we save you, you know, a fraction of the money with more security. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I can I see a lot of potentials, healthcare, even education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Which, which, which uh, manufacturing, pretty telecom. I mean, imagine if you're if you're one of the major telecom providers and you can offer your customers and say, hey, look, if you're already a customer for an extra six ninety nine a month, we'll give you a second cell phone. Oh, this this is going to cause so many problems for the Department of Justice. <laughs> oh, by the way, burner hey, phones, hey, virtual burner phones. It's, it's, there you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, now all of a you can have five phones on your phone, right? <laughs> awesome. All right, Jared. Hey, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate you guys having us. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast. Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.